Good morning. Welcome to worship. Those of you who are here in person, and most of you seem to be wearing green, I notice a theme for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, welcome to all of you who are here in person and to those who are joining with us online. So I'm feeling getting a little bit of feedback here. Uh, so good morning and welcome. We are so thankful that you are all here. And now I do have a couple of announcements for you before we get started. So if you received uh, our email that went out this week, it had some changes for our worship schedule for the next few weeks. So I want to make sure everybody understands exactly what's going on. This week, well, obviously, you know, we're here at 10 o'clock. Gather in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, you alone are God. We turn to you this morning and we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and with your power, and with your presence this morning. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. One, two, three, four. Please stand with us and sing. Lord of creation of water, earth, and sky. The heavens are your tabernacle. Glory to the Lord on high, God of wonders beyond our galaxy. You are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy. Lord of heaven and earth. Lord of stumble in the darkness 
your name by night. God of wonders beyond our galaxy, you are holy, holy. The universe declares your majesty. You are holy, holy, Lord of heaven and earth, Lord of heaven and earth, hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. Hallelujah to the Lord of heaven and earth. God of wonders beyond our galaxy. Please be seated. And now will you join with me again in a moment of prayer as we light our peace candle. Holy and loving God, we light this candle and we pray for peace. We pray for your peace that surpasses all human understanding. We pray for your peace to prevail on earth. May we all feel your peace as we worship you this morning, and may we be your hands and your feet in this world. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Hi, Bernie, and good morning, kids. Brother, did you hear the Bible story Mom was reading the other day? It was about sn 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 snakes. Wait, Mom was talking about snakes, but she's petrified of snakes. Like when we're hiking, she makes me walk ahead and make sure there's no snakes. Like once, I was hiking, and I saw a family of snakes, so I needed to tell my mom to stop until the coast is clear so she can go. 
Yes, Taylor, she sure did tell a story about snakes. But I don't think the kids know this story. Why don't you tell them about it, Bernie? Well, kids, there's a story in the Bible about a time when the Israelites, they're the people who are worshiping God, the Israelites got bit by a bunch of deadly snakes. Like a bunch of snakes just came out of nowhere and started biting people. It was so scary. Yes, super scary. And some of the people did die from those snake bites in that story. That's why God had to save the people. Yeah, kids. God told Moses to make a pole with a pretend snake on it. And when the people were bit by a real snake, they would look at the pole with the fake snake and they would live. God saved the people. Yes, Bernie. God did save the people. And you know, God saves us in little unexpected ways all the time. God always gives us little nudges and shows us the way. Our God is a God who saves. Like when mom realized that Walter never came inside the other day and she got really scared wondering what happened to him. But then she just knew to go to the neighbor's house and to look for him. And there he was, happily playing, just like that. Yes, God saves us with little nudges every day. These little nudges come from the Holy Spirit. And God saves us with the promise of eternal life as well. We have a God who loves us so much and saves us every day. Wow, God is so good. All the time, Bernie. God is good. Okay, kids, remember that God saves and that God loves you. Bye, kids. See you next week. Good morning. Will you join me in the litany uh, call to worship? The response will be we worship and the Clue phrase will be in the season of Lent. So when I say in the season of Lent, you say, Here we go. When the world is no longer a paradise and creation shows its full power over us still, and we are brought down to size on this small planet of ours in this season of Lent, and the memories linger of the past and war shapes us beyond our knowing and conflict becomes a story of life in this season of Lent. When the way is more beautiful than, more barren than beautiful, when the path is more a climb than a stroll, when the desert expands and the horizon stretches in this season of Lent. Because we can in this season of Lent. Because we hope in this season of Lent. Because we know our vulnerability in this season of Lent, when things shift and we need to hold on in this season of Lent, it is only the only strength we have for the journey. So in this season of Lent,
Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice, you became nothing, poured out to death many times. I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again. And once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. And once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. Now you are exalted to the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll bow. But for now, I marvel at your saving grace, and I'm full of praise once again. And I'm full of praise once again. And once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Once again, I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken inside. And once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Once again, I thank you. Once again, I pour out my life. Amen. Now we have two readings this morning. Our first reading comes from the Gospel of John, the third chapter. We will read starting with verse 1 and reading, or sorry, starting with verse 14 and reading through verse 21. Actually, I said that we're going to start with verse 1. I'm going to ignore the lectionary for today. I want to read the whole text to you. Starting with verse 1. 
If you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. For whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the Son of God. And this is the judgment. That the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. And now we are going to continue with Ephesians chapter 2. We are going to read only verses 4 through 10. This is from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the ages to come he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
I'll tell you, I could probably preach easily for like an hour on John chapter 3. It happens to be one of my favorite chapters. It's ones where, where people just take one verse from that chapter, and that's the only verse that we ever hear. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. And yet there is even more to this chapter, this chapter, this interaction between Nicodemus and Jesus, everything that Jesus says, even those last few verses, if we look into the reason why Jesus was saying those, those verses are so powerful. So I wish I had an hour to preach for you today. I would really love that, but I feel like that might push your limits a little bit, just a guess. I'm just going to guess that that might push your limits a little bit. So I'm going to keep it short and I'll I'll try to sum it up in as best as I can, but if you ever want to know more about John chapter 3, just ask. I love talking about that chapter. But anyways, let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, you alone are God. This morning we turn to you and we worship you. We take a moment just to pause the craziness and the busyness of this world and the anxiety of this world. We take a moment just to pause it all 
and to be present as we worship you this morning. So Lord, bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So we need to understand that Nicodemus was a conflicted man. He was a highly conflicted man. First, we know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was a keeper of the law of Moses. And he wasn't just a Pharisee, but he was also on the select council called the Sanhedrin. So Nicodemus was a highly educated man. He was also a wealthy man. We know that as well. Nicodemus was wealthy and educated. He had power. And he and his colleagues were uh, trained for strict dogmatic purposes. They were meant to be stoic and analytical at all times, and they were almost always the smartest people in the room. Everywhere that the Pharisees went, including Nicodemus, when they went somewhere, they were usually the, the smartest in the room, the most highly educated in the room. So it's almost like they were trained to be a little bit arrogant, or maybe not a little bit arrogant, maybe a lot a bit arrogant. But here's where the conflicted part comes into play. Nicodemus, he was with his Pharisee colleagues every day, but then also every day he watched Jesus. Every day Nicodemus witnessed these interactions that Jesus had with people, and maybe he even got to witness some of the miracles firsthand that Jesus did. And even when he didn't get to witness the miracles, he heard about the miracles of Jesus. And so Nicodemus could not help but wonder. He couldn't help but wonder, could this Jesus be the Messiah? Could this Jesus be the one who we've been waiting for? Could this man be more than just a man? So Nicodemus wondered and Nicodemus was conflicted. His mind said one thing. That mind that was trained like a Pharisee said one thing. But his heart, not really his heart, but his soul cried out with something else. So Nicodemus was conflicted. Of course, he didn't want his colleagues to know that he was going to see Jesus. I love this part. I love how Nicodemus snuck out in the middle of the night to go see Jesus. Do you ever sneak out in the middle of the night to do something if you want people to know about it? No, you only sneak out in the middle of the night if you want to do something in secret. And so I love how Nicodemus snuck out in the middle of the night, like a teenager, not our teenagers in this church, of course, but like a teenager who wants to do something that maybe they shouldn't do, Nicodemus snuck out in the middle of the night because he didn't want any of his colleagues to know that he was doing. And when Nicodemus found Jesus, he asked him questions. He had all of these questions that he asked Jesus. He asked him questions, questions that he didn't understand, questions where his analytical mind was trying to make sense of what his heart was feeling. He asked Jesus questions. But here's the thing. Usually when the Pharisees ask Jesus questions, normally out in the street when Jesus is confronted by a Pharisee and a Pharisee asks him a question, does Jesus usually give the Pharisees answers to their questions? No. He does not. Normally what Jesus does is he answers a Pharisee's question with a question. Now, why does Jesus normally do this? Because Jesus has the ability to know our hearts, to really know what we're thinking. And so normally when a Pharisee out on the street in broad daylight asks Jesus the questions, they're normally trying to trick Jesus. They're trying to challenge Jesus. They're trying to make Jesus mess up in some way. And so what Jesus does is he responds to the Pharisee's questions with a stronger 
longer question. What we say is that he out-Pharisees the Pharisees on a normal time when he's out there on the street interacting with Pharisees. But here, when Nicodemus comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night, Nicodemus isn't doing this for show, but Nicodemus, he comes to see Jesus in the middle of the night, and Jesus knows that he really has these questions. I think that Jesus can sense how conflicted Nicodemus is. He can sense that conflicted nature that he has inside of him, that his mind is struggling to believe, but that his heart just yearns to know more. And so Jesus actually answers Nicodemus's questions. Nicodemus asks all of these questions about the kingdom of God. Now remember, let's say like a month or two ago, we talked about how the kingdom of God is already here in this world. When Jesus entered the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God began to to work in this world. And so Nicodemus starts asking Jesus about what the kingdom of God is. How can you be a part of the kingdom of God? And that is when Jesus tells him that in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, you need to be born of the spirit. And I love, I I just picture this, that Nicodemus's analytical mind is trying to make sense of what Jesus is saying, but it's not quite getting it. He's trying to make sense of these words that Jesus is saying, but His analytical mind is just not quite there. But Jesus explains to him that if he wants to be a part of the kingdom of God, he needs to be born of the Spirit. He needs the Holy Spirit present in his life. Now, I'm going to pause here for a second. If we look at Ephesians chapter 2, which I really thought tied together nicely, if we look at Ephesians chapter 2, which was also in our lectionary for today, we see another Pharisee. Don't forget, Paul was once who? Saul, who was a Pharisee. Paul was once Saul, who was a Pharisee. So we have another story of a Pharisee here. A Pharisee who was so stuck on the fact that Jesus could not be the Messiah because it wasn't following his exact plan. Paul, who had been Saul, had once been a Pharisee until he met Jesus on a road, and he had a conversion experience unlike anything that I think any of us could really possibly imagine. And after Paul's conversion experience, after he turned from Saul the Pharisee to Paul the follower of Christ, after that moment, Paul realized something quite profound, that our salvation, that the gift of the Holy Spirit that that is with us here and now and in eternal life, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift that we don't deserve. We can't do anything to earn it. Instead, it's a free gift, and it's called grace. It's a free gift that none of us deserve, and yet we all can receive, and it is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you that the other day I read an obituary. Normal thing to do, right? I was reading an obituary, but it was an obituary that was really well written. It was for a pastor who I knew when I was in Massachusetts. Sadly, she just lost her battle to cancer after a six-year battle. She had been given two years to live. She made it six years. But sadly, she finally lost her battle to cancer. But I was reading this beautifully written obituary about this pastor. I did not know her super well, but in all of my interactions with her, I could feel her faith. She was one of those people that she was just like this, had this infectious personality, and I could just feel her faith anytime that I was near her. But in the, this obituary, it wasn't just an obituary, but it was really, it was a testimony to her faith. And my favorite part about the obituary, because I'm weird, I have favorite parts about obituaries, and my favorite part about the obituary is when it said, at the end of the obituary, it said, 
it was time for the angels to escort her to everlasting life, where God, Jesus, her loved ones, and you guys are going to like this part, and many dogs and cats were waiting to welcome her home. I love this. Do you want to know why I love this? I love this because her family is confident in her eternal life. Her family is confident in her eternal life because they know that that same Holy Spirit that was with her in this life, the same Holy Spirit that walked her through the good times and the bad, that same Holy Spirit is still with her as she now lives in the kingdom of God. But here's the thing, friends. What I want you to think about as we wrestle with the story of Nicodemus, what I want you to think about is when you, when you enter through those doors right over there, or when you tune in online, we are not the kind of church that wants you to check your brains at the door. That's not who we are. We're not the kind of church that wants you to check your brains at the door. You are allowed and encouraged to think and, and to study. We want you to study even if you don't agree with me sometimes. You know, that's even okay as well. I actually like a little bit of the logical pushback sometimes. We're not the kind of church that wants you to leave your brains at the door or when you enter through the sanctuary or when you join us online. That's not the kind of thing that we want to do. But the reality is that sometimes our brains don't have all the answers. Sometimes our brains fail us a little bit when our soul knows the answers. Sometimes our brains are not quite as brilliant and as wise as we think they are. Sometimes our brains don't have all the answers, but sometimes our souls, our spirits, our hearts, sometimes they know more than our brains give us credit for. Think about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was conflicted. Because his brain thought one thing, but his soul felt another. Have you ever been like that? Have you ever been in a situation of faith where your brain thought one thing, or maybe your brain was trying to rationalize something, but your soul felt something? Your soul knew that you were in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I see Glenn waving a hand back there. Do you guys, does anybody here besides Glenn and myself know what I'm talking about? When your brain's maybe being, thank you, Pastor, when your brain is maybe being super analytical, but your heart just knows your heart can feel the presence of God your heart knows that something spiritual is going on around you that is an amazing thing that happens because sometimes we feel the presence of God but our brain can't make sense of it (laughs) sometimes we feel the presence of God but our brain isn't quite understanding or maybe our brain is trying to rationalize maybe we're an analytical thinking kind of person and maybe our brain is trying to come up with answers that might not be there. Well, that night, Nicodemus went home after talking to Jesus, and his mind was trying to understand what his heart already knew. His mind was trying to understand what his soul knew, that when he was with Jesus, he was in the presence of God. His mind was trying to understand what his heart already knew. Have you, friends, ever been like Nicodemus? Have you ever been conflicted from time to time? Have you ever ever felt that moment of confliction where you want to just lean into your faith, where you want to just dive into your faith, but there's something or maybe somebody, someone holding you back? Have you ever been the kind of person that, that you want to just jump into your faith? You want to feel the presence of God. You want to just let go and let God, but your mind is holding you back. Or maybe it's not your mind. Maybe you, like Nicodemus, maybe you've got some friends or some colleagues. 
Nicodemus had a whole slew of them. They were the other Pharisees. Maybe do you have some other people who maybe you feel the presence of God and you know that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and you want to dive into that power of the Holy Spirit. But you have those naysayer friends, those, those people who are doubting, those people who are pulling you back like this, who are telling you that your faith can't be real. Have you ever experienced something like that? Because it happens. But here's the thing. This is what I want you to understand. Nicodemus learned this. By the way, in many traditions, Nicodemus is considered a saint because he understood this eventually. Even if you feel conflicted, what I want you to try to do, friends, is to dive into your faith. Because here's what I've learned. My brain fails me sometimes, but my heart never does. My brain fails me sometimes, but my soul that is solely guided by my faith is never, ever wrong. My brain is not as brilliant as I'd like it to be, and it fails sometimes, but my heart, my soul, which is led by God, is always guided in the right direction. So sometimes, I'm not asking you to leave your brains at the door, but sometimes when you feel conflicted like Nicodemus, you got to understand that your brain is only temporary, but your soul is eternal. And sometimes we have to listen to our souls. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? I was thinking the other, just about how how a couple summers ago, remember when I I fell down doing a hospital visit and cracked my head open? And nice thing to do when you're at the hospital visiting somebody, end up becoming a patient yourself. I was thinking about that after I cracked my head open. I saw the ways that my brain failed me because my concussed brain wasn't all that it should be. If I was talking to somebody, then suddenly I'd be talking to them. And if there was just a momentary pause, I would totally forget what I was saying. It was not much fun. It went away when the concussion healed. My brain is temporary. Your brains are temporary too. They are beautiful, wonderful gifts from God. But our souls are eternal. Our souls are not here just for this life, but our souls are eternal. And sometimes we have to let our faith lead us and guide us, especially if we ever feel conflicted. Now let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you on this day. We ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, as we try to just dive into our faith. Allow us to feel that faith that saves us. Allow us to feel that faith that empowers us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Allow all of us to just dive into our faith this morning. We ask that you bless us with faithfulness, and together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
letter to James, it says, show me your faith without your works, and I, by my works, will show you my faith. Our contributions, our offerings, are part of the way we show our faith. We will receive that offering now. If you uh, can give online, uh, please do. Uh, if you have your offering with you, you can put it in a plate in the back after the worship. And let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Savior, I come, quiet my soul, remember, redemption's hill, where your blood was spilled, for my ransom, and everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. You were as I, tempted and tried, human. The Word became flesh, bore my sin and death. Now you're risen, and everything I once held dear, I count it all as lost. Lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross, to your heart, to your heart. to your heart, lead me to your heart, lead me to the cross where your love pours. 
Bring me to my knees, Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself, I belong to you. Oh, lead me, lead me to the cross. Amen. And now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ. And I have one thing to say before we go. Apparently our announcements did cut out while we were streaming for a little bit. So for all of you guys who are here, you get to hear this again. Just a reminder that next week we have 10 a.m. worship here or online, followed by an 11 a.m. annual meeting here or via Zoom. And then for Easter and Palm Sunday only, I said that backwards, for Palm Sunday and Easter only, we have two services at 9 and 11. Then we'll return to one service at 10 while we figure all things out again. But now go forth, be blessed, and let your faith lead you.